Andrew Dowdy here on the High Motor Podcast, on the Hero Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in, or thank you for accidentally clicking play. Please stick around. Please stay for some Academy Awards talk. The High Motor Podcast is available on iTunes, Spreaker, and Overcast. We're on Twitter at High Motor Pod and at a Dowdy 88 Okay, the Academy Awards, those are the 24th, Sunday the 24th. So we're going to talk movies here on this episode of the High Motor Podcast. And to do that, I have Pete Blackburn on the podcast today. Pete is from CBS Sports. He also has a podcast, Brunch. Um, they do a lot of movie chatter over there. And he's here to talk about the Academy Awards. No problem, Mo. We got a deal? Then I believe this can work. Hot <laughs> damn. Quite by accident, I find myself in a rather criminal position. Hello, this is Ron Stallworth calling. Well, who am I speaking with? This is David Duke. Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? Tell me that don't smell good. I've never had fried chicken in my life. You people love the fried chicken. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. Pete, pleasure having you on. It's been a while. Uh, good timing. I want to get your take on something here. Well, I want to get your take on a lot of things Oscar-related in a minute. But first, something else I want to get your take on. I meant to bring this up the uh, last couple episodes here on High Motor, but I didn't get around to it, and it's been boiling up a little bit. So instead of waiting until you hop off, you seem like a guy that could provide some insight on the placement of toilet paper dispensers in a bathroom. You know, that is where the toilet paper dispenser is affixed to a wall, on the vanity, wherever. And this has been a topic that I've been passionate about for a while, uh, but it's kind of gone overboard the last few years. Been doing a lot of traveling the last few years, took a little break in the fall and then the misses and I hit the road this winter, get out of this cold hellhole for a while, and it started kind of boiling again. Why are we installing the dispenser behind the toilet? I mean, we can't physically contort our body back around, or why are we putting it on the wall across from you, four or five feet away? You either just have to grab the entire roll from the dispenser and set it on the counter or the floor or hold it, or you're making repeated trips to the dispenser. And Pete, I feel like you're a guy that would get this right i feel like you would understand this yeah absolutely i mean i'm i feel lucky enough that i haven't encountered enough to 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 kind of think about it all that much but i i I for sure have at least encountered that once in my life and i've been annoyed by it so the fact that you you're sort of upset about it tells me that maybe it's becoming somewhat of a trend and that's troubling to me it's always going to be uh, on one side or the other. And, and you know, as a right-handed person, it's usually on the right, and I'm happy about that. Uh, it makes me think that, you know, maybe I'm taking advantage of that uh, or, you know, not appreciating it as much as I as I should because left-handed people, that's got to be sort of annoying too. Um, but as long as it's on either side, I'm cool with that. And I also think that it should always pull down and not up. Completely agree. And I – I don't even know if it's a right versus left-handed thing, but I did spend some time thinking about it the other day. Uh, we had a couple long drives, and I did some thinking, and I think I have, I have the perfect analogy here. To me, it feels like bullpens in some old ballparks. Like, they didn't create a great spot for the bullpen back in the day. Like, I mean, even at Wrigley, way back in the day, or like the old Metrodome, then they just shove it down the line. And it's still like that in some parks, but most have created actual spots for bullpens. 
Um, you know, some parks used to be designed and built, and then the pen kind of gets shoved wherever it fits. So with toilet paper dispensers, I mean, think about it. You're reaching for toilet paper more times than any other repeat bathroom activities. Like you, you reach for it multiple right. or several times per visit, and then you're going to have multiple visits per day. How is this not something that just matters more in a bathroom? How is this not something that's actually part of the design? No, it really isn't. And, and like a bathroom is not something that you sort of just like, like turn another room into really. You have to have plumbing for a bathroom. Exactly. Like there has to be planning that goes into a bathroom. So to plan a bathroom and not plan uh, an adequate spot for for a toilet paper dispenser is just asinine. Glad we could talk that out. I do feel a little bit better. Let's talk some Oscars now. Uh, Oscars coming up here, week from Sunday. We're recording this on Tuesday the fifth. Excuse me, Tuesday the twelfth. That's coming up on Sunday the twenty fourth. Let's do some. Snubs first. Uh, warning to listeners that some spoilers are probably dropped here. We're not going to run through all the good stuff, but I would imagine some things will get slipped and dropped. So if you're not fully caught up on everything, uh, check back when you are. Let's talk about snubs. I just watched A Simple Favor on Sunday night. Didn't know much about the movie. It seemed different. Uh, it was extremely different. And I know on your podcast you said you liked it. Did you like it enough to think that it actually deserves some Oscar love? No, I was curious to see if if uh, if maybe uh, Blake Lively would get a, a nod for Best Sporting Actress because uh, I really liked her in, in that movie. But I, I didn't really think that it was going to get any serious Oscar buzz. Um, one of the, there there are a couple movies that I was I was looking for that that didn't show up. Um, you know, I, I'm dead serious about this. My favorite movie of 2018 was Paddington 2. Yeah, I'm aware. Uh, I follow I you on think... Twitter, and you just absolutely beat that to death this entire year. Yeah. <laughs> But it is it is literally the best movie that I've seen in 2018. That's no joke. Um, it was or, or my favorite movie in 2018, I should say. Um, maybe not like the best by the Oscar standards. So uh, I wasn't necessarily expecting that to be there. I was hoping really hard that they'd get some sort of nomination anywhere. Um, they didn't, but it's fine. Uh, one of the I would say in the best picture category. The biggest snub to me, I think, was uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? And I know that Melissa McCarthy and Richie Jenkins got um, Best Actor or uh, Best Actress and Best Supporting Actor noms. So I'm happy about that. And then uh, another big time snub for me was um, Carrie Mulligan from Wildlife in the Actress uh, Actress in a League role. So um, yeah, I mean, like there, there's no like huge snubs other than those. For me, I just I feel very strongly that Bohemian Rhapsody should not be in the best picture category, but we can get that get to that eventually. Yeah, staying in the snubs. One, of, I know you mentioned that you were, you know, it was a level of not being actually surprised to to legitimately being surprised with something um, like Can You um, Please Forgive Me. I was I was legitimately shocked that Timothy Chalamet did not get uh, a nomination for supporting actor. Uh, he's in Beautiful Boy. For those who haven't seen it, Steve Carell, Timothy Chalamet. In Beautiful Boy, and really nothing for that. I don't think they got nominated for anything. I wasn't expecting a Best Picture nod there, but I was—I I, kind of just assumed that he was going to get a Supporting Actor nod. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it or don't know him, he first kind of came up with Homeland. Um, I, I hated his character there. He was Finn. He was the son of the Vice President in Homeland. He was also in uh, Interstellar, I believe, and then Lady Bird. Um, anywho, Timothy was, was Nick Chef in Beautiful Boy, uh, a kid who battles addiction. I thought he was absolutely superb i cannot even imagine how difficult it is to to play a role like that 
um, going through that type of thing. Were you surprised that he didn't get a nod at all? Uh, not really. I didn't really expect uh, Beautiful Boy to get get nominated for too many things. And when you look at the the categories for uh, for best actor, or best supporting actor, um, they're basically all best picture noms. Uh, you know, especially for supporting actor, every every actor in that category is in a best picture nom. So uh, those movies sort of tend to get the love, um, unless it's like a a very sort of close outlier to best picture. So, you know, I knew that that Beautiful Boy wasn't going to get too much recognition uh, in terms of just overall buzz. So I, I really wasn't that surprised. Did but, you think, I mean, I love Timothy Chalamet. I was going to say, did you think, even though you weren't surprised, did you think that his performance was something that should have maybe gotten a nod? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's always great. And, and I, you know, he's probably the, one of the most talented young actors that's coming up right now. So um, he got a ton of love for uh, for. It's um, the one with the peaches. I forget. Uh, oh, call me by your name. Yeah, I mean he's he's gonna be there for for years to come. I think so. Uh, I wouldn't be too too upset that he's he's not there this year. All right. Well, let's talk about some films that actually did get nominations. Uh, you mentioned uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I wanna I wanna actually start here. Let's start with Black Klansman. Uh, that's up for a whole pile of awards. Best Picture. Uh, Spike Lee director. Adam Driver's up for uh, supporting actor whole bunch of other stuff. I think adapted screenplay is in there too. I I didn't like it at all, but I'm kind of curious your take on it before I get into my what appears to be a pretty unpopular opinion. Yeah, I really really liked it. I, I thought that it was uh, it was a, a really strong movie. I thought the pace was good and and you know the performances were were really strong as well. Um, it had it had some. I thought that it was it had some pretty like sneaky humor in it. And yeah, I, I just I mean I like Spike Lee and and uh, I thought that it was really well done. I'm interested to see why you didn't like it, though. The the main piece is that it, it's billed as this true story, right? I mean, it's billed as, as the story of the book. I think the book is by the same name from, like, four or five years ago, right? I think Ron Stallworth wrote it, mm-hmm. like, in 2014, maybe. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. But it, it, it's it's not... It's not like the story. Like, the story itself is unbelievable, and you see the posters of John David Washington. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, the main character, son of Denzel. He's in, like, the KKK hood... Uh, the trailer is incredible, but but the movie, the movie just makes up stuff that completely overtakes the actual story. Like he didn't in the beginning, he didn't actually call the local KKK chapter. Like he mailed them. He didn't reveal his identity to David Duke. There was no um, like chasing. There was no dramatic explosion scene. The whole C4 storyline of them stealing the the C4 uh, powder like that didn't exist. Uh, his partner Adam Driver, who I mentioned, his wife partner, like he wasn't Jewish. Uh, what else? Driver's character, he was never really supposedly in that much of danger. You know, none of that actually happened. And I understand that, like, a lot of true story movies do this. And my criticism isn't specific to Black Klansmen. Um, like, for example, the other day, Public Enemies was on TV. And I kind of have a love-hate relationship with that movie. I think a lot of it's interesting and Johnny Depp is fantastic. And when it was on TV the other day, it was at that part where Babyface Nelson dies. And they completely fabricated where and how he died. So I don't understand why they would do that with a, uh, a character of that um, level, I guess. So I get that a lot of movies do that. And I get that all of the the made-up parts are supposed to be just like window dressing or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's for entertainment value, and the message of the story is still there, which it is in Black, Black Klansmen. But I think with a story like that, just, just tell me the story. Like, you hear the story, you hear the premise, 
it's unbelievable. But then, like, I watched the movie, and then I kind of went on to read about it. When I, whenever you hear about a true story, I'm curious what is fact versus fiction, and so many things are completely different that really, in my opinion, changed large parts of the movie. So, I guess my question to you is, where do you draw the line? as billing this movie or really any movie we can expand the, expand the conversation to any movie you want where do you draw the line when you're billing something like this as a true story but then you're only having fractions of it that are actually true and changing large parts of it how much do you care about those made up details yeah so i mean this is a, it's an interesting conversation because like a lot of those complaints are are, are why i didn't really like Bohemian rhapsody and and I think that the biggest difference there, though, for me at least, is that uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was sort of, it was Queen's movie. Like, two members of Queen were strongly behind that movie. And, like, they pushed out, to the point where they pushed out uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, um, because he originally wanted to do that movie, and they didn't, he wasn't doing it the way that they wanted to do it. So, uh, for that movie to have so many inaccuracies with Queen behind it, that sort of made me mad because I wanted to go and I wanted to see like what Queen would tell me about Queen that I didn't already know and the answer was basically nothing um, but for a story like Black Klansman it, it didn't bother me as much one because I didn't really know that story going in so I didn't know um, like how many inaccuracies there would be I was just sort of going on entertainment value and I thought that it was a super entertaining movie but I think like overall when that stuff happens I would prefer to see it as labeled as like or marketed as inspired by a true story rather than like based on a true story and i know that i think i think black Klansman uses based on a true story i think they use it on like a poster and stuff too um so yeah i mean i i wouldn't be mad if somebody got upset like that you know a lot of this stuff didn't happen and, and so like that that takes back my feelings on the movie but you know just from my perspective not knowing a lot about it I thought the entertainment value was great. I thought it was just a really good movie um, that was, you know, clearly inspired by true events, but may not have stuck to to the script or stuck to, you know, the actual story. And, you know, from my perspective, if it makes it a more entertaining movie um, and, and, you know, makes me feel better walking out of the theater, I think I'm okay with that. I guess that's my second piece of it. I didn't really think it made it that much more entertaining a movie. I didn't even think it was that good of a movie regardless of the accuracy piece. You know, it, it was a low-budget movie, and to me it completely felt low-budget. I thought the dialogue was kind of clunky, unimaginative. Uh, the acting really did nothing for me. I thought Adam Driver was okay, but it, it didn't do a whole lot for me. And again, like I said, I'm clearly in the minority on both opinions here looking at the reviews. I was extremely disappointed. Do you think that it's deserving of a Best Picture nomination? Yeah, I think that it was it, it was definitely deserving of, of a nomination. I don't think that it's going to win. I wouldn't be like crazy upset if it won. I think that this was just an overall down year for movies. Um, so maybe that helps to get in. But when you look at the fact that you know Bohemian Rhapsody is in there, that's a, a in my mind like an objectively like worse movie. And uh, you know Black Panther's in there, which is a, a you know a genre of movie that never usually gets in. Uh, I think that there's just a, this is a pretty down year. And, you know, I think that Black Landsman is probably towards the, one of the top tiers of, of movies in the category. So, um, yeah, I, I think that I clearly liked it a lot more than you did. And, and so I, I'm not very, uh, I'm not very upset or, you know, I, I think that I have a lot more complaints throughout the category 
than with than with uh, Black Clansmen. Let's go to Bohemian Rhapsody. Clearly, um, you've brought that up about six times in the last five minutes, so clearly you're pretty upset about I know. that. I hate the movie. So I, I really hate it. So here's my question. I haven't seen it yet. I've been a little bit busy the last month or so, and I'm trying to catch up here. I mean, what, I have ten days until the Oscars. I'm missing a couple. That's one of them. You mentioned that a movie with Queen behind it to have that many inaccuracies. When you were, I've been trying not to read anything about it because I, you know, I have have friends that have seen it. They have similar complaints, but I've been trying not to touch it so that I can watch it for my own opinion. But did you get the feeling that, honestly, when you were talking, did you watch the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix? I did. Yes. So the one that was produced by Jerry Media, where it was the company that was involved in it, and. It, you kind of find out it's basically just this promotional video and that they were actually complicit in a lot of those things. I started thinking about that. Do you get the feeling that it was more of a promotional thing and then that hurt, um, you know, the, the accuracies of the movie? Yeah, it, absolutely. It really felt like a, like a cookie cutter biopic and Queen was just like, hey, we want one of these biopics and we don't want it to be any different or, or like we just want, we have an idea of what a biopic is. We want one of these. Let's put it out there. Let's get people, uh, young people, familiar with our music that may not be otherwise. And it just felt so unspectacular and so unoriginal and just so bland for, uh, especially for a band like Queen, which is just the most like spectacularly uh, like flamboyant and like ridiculous band and like so imaginative. And I just felt like they deserve so much better of a movie than this bland piece of crap. And, you know, I, I, I'm i so, like, triggered by the fact that it's not only been nominated for Best Picture, but it won Best Picture at the Golden Globes. Like, it, this has just been a nightmare for me. A, I, made I, a I ton of money, too. Much. Made an absolute right. boatload of money. You just did a uh, quick review on your podcast, Brunch, of that, right? We're actually doing quick reviews on, on all of the, uh, the Best Picture nominees. Awesome. Yeah, if anybody hasn't listened to Brunch uh, with Pete Blackburn and DJB, check that out. Um, let's move on. My favorite movie of the year is Green Book. Honestly, it's probably one of my favorite movies I've seen in a while. It already won Best Picture Comedy or Musical at the Golden Globes. Uh, it won uh, Supporting Actor. Mahershala Ali got that Supporting Actor win at the Golden Globes. I think it also got Best Adapted Screenplay at the Golden Globes. So some pretty significant buzz uh, for Green Book entering the Oscars. A, were you as big of a fan as I am? And B, do you think it has a shot to win Best Picture? I, I really liked it. I thought that it was... Uh... It was carried by extremely strong performances. I thought both of the guys, uh, Mahershala Ali and Viggo Mortensen, were great in it. Um, the, you know, I thought that, that the uh, th- there's so much controversy surrounded it and surrounded by it, and uh, you know, I think a lot of it's sort of d- dumb. I guess, like, I think that a lot of it's coming from people that didn't actually see the movie and and, and just want to get upset about things. And, and I know that there are problems surrounding it, like. They didn't consult uh, Dr. Shirley's family. Right, right. Um, Peter Fairley has his issues and, and, you know, with his past and stuff like that. But, you know, as just based on merit, I thought this is a really good movie. I don't know if I would put it as one of my favorites to win, but, you know, it, it is a really good movie. I think it's certainly one of the best of the year. And, you know, I, I would, I would definitely recommend it. Like it's, it's a really great, movie that's carried by strong performances like i said and i think that at least one of those two are going to win uh for for performance and I, i'm not sure wh- who's who it's going to be but i think that both of them are deserving 
Yeah, I mentioned Mahershala Ali already got supporting after Golden Globes. I thought that you mentioned Viggo Mortensen. I thought that he did just a brilliant job with, I mean, that's got to be such a hard role to play. He struck that balance. Um, for those of you who haven't seen, he plays Tony Lip, um, the guy who drives Mahershala Ali on this on this music tour. He balanced kind of like this comedy and uh, ignorance for racial issues that Ali's character is dealing with, but then also a little sensitivity. I'm not sure if that's the right word. Balance all those things I thought was just brilliant. Um, I know you mentioned earlier with the movie Moving Along. I think that Green Book had great flow to it. The flow was absolutely superb. It kind of reminded me of a movie like Spotlight where you sit down to watch you know, this two-hour, I think it's like two-hour and 15 minutes, somewhere in there movie, and it absolutely flies. Actually, actually this is probably a great spot to, to talk about Roma, something that does not fly whatsoever. I had a really, really hard time getting through Roma. I tried for maybe like 20 minutes the first time. I had to turn it off. I went back a couple of times. Honestly, really had to just rear back and plug through the entire It's about 2 hours and 10, 2 hours and 15 minutes. But this seems to be a favor for Best, best Picture. I was in the minority on Black Klansman. I appear to be in the minority on Roma. Where do you stand on it? Uh, do you understand all the love that it's getting? Yeah, I'm sort of in the minority as well. Uh, like, I didn't love it. I think that I understand it from, like, a technical perspective. Yeah. Like, this movie was, a like, a technical achievement. If it wins for cinematography or it wins for directing, I totally get that. But just overall, I was sort of bored by the story. I didn't really, you know, I didn't love it. Um, I mean, it's, it's an absolute lock to win Best Foreign Film, because at least in my mind, because it's the only foreign film that's nominated for Best Picture. So, you know, like process of elimination, that's a that's probably the biggest lock uh, of the Oscars. But yeah, I, I didn't I didn't necessarily get it um from just like a story perspective and, and um you know, I, I know that people are loving it, so maybe I'm just missing something, but uh outside of just the technical aspects, I wasn't crazy about it. Yeah, like I said, though, I think the wide lens is just completely brilliant. It shows you this, you get a really, really good feel for everything around the characters, but I think in doing that, they kind of sacrificed actually, you know, caring about the characters. Yeah, I care about the main character. Um, I don't care about the family at all. I don't care about the kids at all. And I think when you when you put that wide lens and you show us everything around it, you are sacrificing a little bit of character development and the audience actually giving a shit about the characters themselves. Like I said, the pace is just just mind-numbingly slow. And I think one criticism that kind of goes for for both Roma and Black Klansmen, in my opinion, they have they have just this complete disregard for for that you know the unwritten rule of entering a scene as late as possible and getting out of a scene as quickly as possible. I mean, kind of trim all the fat and just give us the goods. And I understand that rule can be broken and it can work. Like Vince Gilligan, he does a brilliant job of doing that in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, but it, it's so hard to do. I, I think that both movies just did a miserable job of this, and the, the scenes are way too long. They'll be sitting in a car for two or three minutes. Nothing is happening. Um, okay, before you go here, what is your pick for Best Picture, um, and then which one do you think is actually going to win? Uh, it's actually the same for both of them, which is a good feeling. Uh, I think the favorite was by far the best movie of the year. Um, I absolutely loved it, and, and it that's probably the biggest shock to me because I went into that movie expecting to hate it. Like anytime there's this like Victorian sort of setting, it, it just sort of makes me like, Oh, this is going to suck. And, and it's going to be so high and snobby. And, and I went into it expecting that it was not at all. It was so funny. It had like a little bit of everything. It had great drama, unbelievable 
performances. Like all three of the women who are leading in that movie are nominated, um, and as they should be. I mean, it was it was like the most complete best movie that I've seen in a long time. It was I came out of the theater just absolutely amped because that was like one of my favorite movies that I've seen in years. What do you if it does win? What do you think the reaction to that would be? I think that people who have seen the movie will be approving of it. I think that if it if it wins, a lot of people that haven't seen it are going to be pissed because they're going to think about it the way that I thought about it heading in. They're just going to be like, oh, this is so snobby, and, like, of course this movie wins. Like, it's this Victorian movie, this, this setting, and, and, like, those movies always seem to win because, you know, like, the Oscars are prestige awards, and, like, this is, you know, high society. And and I will I will lose my mind because I will be like you clearly have not seen the movie. It is very much a comedy and very much like it makes fun of the fact that it's in this Victorian setting, but it is not at all that movie. Like there's a dance scene where like they're crunking and stuff, and it's just the absolutely most ridiculous thing to see that juxtaposition. So it's so funny. I would highly recommend seeing it. Um, and I, I really do think that that's going to win. When you mentioned you don't think that people will be upset if they've actually seen the movie, it kind of – I started thinking about the wife with Glenn Close. Like if she wins uh, Best Actress, I feel like a lot of people are going to be kind of pissy about that if they haven't seen it because the movie – the premise doesn't honestly sound that great, but it's a fantastic movie. She's unbelievable in it. So I feel like it would kind of be the same way. Um, I guess before we let you go here, what's your take on Glenn Close and the wife? Yeah, I I, uh, I watched it after the Golden Globes, actually took home that win, and she was really, really great. Uh, and that movie was not perfect, but it was definitely entertaining. I, I really liked it a lot. My vote, I, I think, is the most two, the two popular, or at least, like, the most popular is Lady Gaga, just because, like, it's such a, uh, like, an anomaly that she's there. And it's, like, it, it's an achievement for her, for her to be in, in Best Actress and basically her first major role. So... Uh, I think that she's going to be the popular pick, but um, Glenn Close, I think, is deserving. And I also, I think that my personal pick would be Melissa McCarthy from Can You Ever Forgive Me, uh, which is also sort of like a, a weird thing that she's there because obviously she's mainly known as a comedic actress. But honestly, any three of those would be fine by me. Pete, let's call it there. Uh, if you don't listen to Pete's podcast, Brunch, give it a listen. Uh, especially when they're doing those reviews. I mentioned they're doing Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, you're rolling through all the best pictures. Is that what you're doing before the Oscars? Yeah, 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 we are. And then we'll, we'll probably be doing, like, predictions and, and stuff like that as well. Um, so we're we're playing on a, a good amount of Oscars content over the next couple of weeks. Pete, hey, greatly appreciate the time. Uh, hope all is well. Glad to talk to you again. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay, a quick message from our friends over at Enclosed. This Valentine's Day, how about something different for your wife or girlfriend? Something romantic, something like a luxury gift service called Enclosed that delivers designer lingerie to your special lady every single month. Enclosed is like a flower of the month club, but with ultra high-end lingerie instead. And this isn't the cheap stuff. This is the kind of quality that will definitely impress. Each month, you tell Enclosed what you think she would like. They choose the styles, they send a custom lingerie gift, and they back up the gift with a 100% size guarantee so you cannot mess this up. If you join the thousands of couples that already love Enclosed, I'm going to give you a promo code. So right now, you get $35 off your Enclosed gift. $35 if you go to theenclosed.com. T-H-E-E-N-C-L-O. SED.com, enter the code HOTROUTE at checkout to get $35 off any multi-month gift. That's theenclosed.com.
Valentine'sDay.com for $35 off the best gift this Valentine's Day. So I mentioned that I'm still trying to get through all the Oscar nominations. Got a couple left. I would imagine a lot of you are. And I've realized it's kind of surprisingly hard to watch movies in this streaming age. It's kind of hard to watch movies in that period of when they're not that popular in the theaters. They might still be in a couple of theaters, but they're not that popular in the theaters. But they haven't really reached all streaming services. If they have, you have to buy them for $20. I'm not spending $20 to buy a movie that I'm going to watch once, maybe twice. Um, I didn't realize that you can watch movies on iTunes. Seriously, I did not know that until two weeks ago when I watched Black Klansman. I had no idea for whatever godforsaken reason that you can watch movies on iTunes. Not a clue. So Black Klansman, that's on iTunes. That's 6 bucks. Uh, it's also on Amazon. Other ones, let's just roll through here. Black Panther, that's on Netflix. Roma, that's on Netflix. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, but after Pete's review, I'm not sure if I even want to watch it. That was only available to buy, looking it up here, but now it's available to rent on iTunes starting today. Again, recording this on Tuesday the 12th. So that's on iTunes. A Star is Born is now on iTunes. Vice also on iTunes. Uh, Some other films nominated for roles. Uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me also on iTunes. The Favorite, that's also available today, Tuesday. Green Book, you're going to have to wait a week for that. Uh, That comes out a week from today, February 12th, Tuesday, February 12th. So when Pete was talking about Paddington, I haven't seen it, not sure if I will, but when he was talking about it, uh, I started looking up a little bit. It's not an animated movie. Paddington himself is animated. So I was curious which animated movies have been nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. It's not a long list. Really small, actually. Three total animated movies have ever been nominated for Best Picture. Again, Paddington is not. Do not ping me on Twitter. I understand that, but I was still curious. Can you name them? Three movies, three animated movies have ever been nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Can you name them? Let me give you the years first. Uh, First one was 1991. Second one was 2009. And then again in 2010. Again, three total animated movies been nominated for Best Picture. 1991, 2009, 2010. None of them won. All of them were nominated. None of them won. An animated movie has never won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. What are the three movies? 1991, that's Beauty and the Beast. 2009 is Up. And 2010 is Toy Story. So there's some trivia for you today. All right, thanks again to Pete Black for joining the show today. Next week, I'm going to have Dan Hawkins on the show, former Boise State, former Colorado head coach. Uh, he's bounced around. He coached that, that U.S. national team. He actually coached, uh, coached over in Austria. He is back in college football. He's now entering his third season at UC Davis, the head coach there. So I'm going to have him on. I want to chat about his career. Curious about that time at Boise State um, and at Colorado, leaving there, how tough that was what he's looking for, why he didn't take other jobs, etc. So I want to ask him a lot about his career, then a little bit about UC Davis, a bunch of good stuff. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spreaker, or whatever service you're using to listen to the High Motor Podcast today. That'll get you the Dan Hawkins episode, and then every single future episode downloaded immediately. I'm going to be back next Tuesday, Tuesday, February 19th, with that Dan Hawkins interview. Please come back to the High Motor Podcast Next week, that's Tuesday, February 19th. 
Thank you for coming to this episode of High Motor. Again, check out the show on Twitter at High Motor Pod. This is the High Motor Podcast on the Hero Sports Podcast Network. I saw a friend today, it had been a while. And we forgot each other's names. But it didn't matter because deep inside, the feeling still remained the same. We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in